Are you growing? Are you growing as a Christian? Are you more of a Christian than you were a year ago, say? I wonder how you would answer that question. How you would measure growth. Are you supposed to grow as a Christian? Or is being a Christian it? Well, we've been studying in the book of Ephesians and we're coming to this part where Paul is going to elaborate, explain the consequences of becoming a Christian. In other words, if it's true what God has done for us, what should we do? How should this change us? And this indicates that it should change us. That we should not remain as we were. In fact, in this whole section, he says, don't walk like you used to. <laughs> Instead, walk in a new way. We've been removed from one category and placed in another category. We were, according to Ephesians, dead. But now we've been made alive. And we've been made alive. Uh, we've been saved through grace, by faith, not of works. Uh, in order that we might walk in works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. We are his workmanship, his project. Well, that, that indicates a certain development. And we've read about the church growing, being built up, growing up into one new man. And now we've been encouraged to be to to turn away from the way of the old man to the way of the new man, and the new man is Christ. And our fellowship together in the body of Christ, us in Christ, and we've been encouraged to turn from <coughs> self-reliance to reliance on Christ. We've been shown that while we used to be alienated, we are now reconciled. And not just to God, but also to each other in the sacrifice of Christ. And we're encouraged to turn from the life of the flesh, the old man, to life in the spirit. From the life of works, as in get what you deserve to the life of faith, as in trust in what Christ does. From 
do-it-yourself life to walk-in-his-good-works life. And so we're talking about the implications of the gospel. What if it's true? If the gospel's true, what should you do? And in this text, we're continuing that theme. Let's just read it from Ephesians 4, from verse 25 to verse 32. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. If the gospel is true, this is what you should do. This is the path of the righteous. This is the put off unredeemed you and put on Christ. If the gospel's true, here's what you should do. And so we have in this text a comparison. We have the thing to put off, the thing to put on, And here and there in between, the reasons why. We put off the unredeemed you. What is the unredeemed you like? The unredeemed you is false in one way or another. Interesting. The unredeemed you will lie if you need to. Or hide, as in, you know, keep it to yourself. The one who has put on Christ is open and honest, speaking the truth, putting off falsehood. The unredeemed you as anger that sins. And I want to tell you, anger sins. Unless you put on Christ 
Christ was occasionally angry and did not sin. So the redeemed you, the one in Christ, his anger is checked, is checked for Christ's sake. And quickly, quickly. The unredeemed you is a taker. The unredeemed you is a taker. A thief that steals. <laughs> the redeemed you is a provider. A thief that goes to work instead of stealing. That produces something of benefit. The unredeemed you talks too much. The unredeemed you is so ready to share whatever thought comes into his or her head that he often shares things that are of no use to anyone at best and in fact are often damaging because you just talk. The unredeemed you feels the need to express himself. Whatever whether it does anyone any good or not, and it often does not. Has the unredeemed you ever said something that you immediately thought, oh, I should not have said that because it's going to be corrupting to the people who heard it? <sighs> the redeemed you screens his or her speech. The text here says, don't let it out. The redeemed person and thinks before he or she speaks. The unredeemed you grieves the Holy Spirit of God. That is, the Spirit is like, uh, still, still, you know, the power's right here. <clears throat> the redeemed you walks in the Spirit. What grieves the spirit is staying self-involved. Walking in the spirit is becoming available. And then, of course, there's a long list of the things that grieve the Holy Spirit. Bitterness, wrath, anger, quarreling, slander, malice. Walking in the Spirit, kind to one another, 
tender-hearted, forgiving. Well, I want to just go through these one at a time and think about it a little bit and maybe at the end think a little bit about what's the big difference. Well, we've already mentioned the big difference. The one is you operating on your own, the do-it-yourself you. The other is you operating from Christ. So, the unredeemed one that we are called to put off is hiding. Why do we present ourselves falsely? Why does someone lie? Well, I think we could figure this out really simply by going back to maybe the first time you lied, which you probably don't remember, but you probably remember what it was like because you were a tiny child the first time you lied. And no one needed to teach you how to do it. Because you had acted on some kind of childish impulse and done something and your mom or dad or both had caught you. And they say to you, you have chocolate all over your mouth. And they say to you, did you eat the chocolate? And in spite of the fact that the evidence convicts you, what did you do? You lied. No. Why does someone lie? To protect themselves from some suffering or pain that they anticipate if they don't lie. Why do we present ourselves in a way that's not true? Because we are afraid. And we want to protect ourselves. Now, when we come to put on Christ, we read here, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak truth, speak the truth with his neighbor. And I think that comes into two categories. One is to be open. That is to be what we call a transparent person. That is to let people know the real you. And one is to be truthful about what you see in the other people. Speaking the truth. That could mean telling someone. That could mean correcting someone. It could mean complimenting someone. It could mean whatever. It could be just something good you observe in another person and you want to encourage them, or it could be some way you see they could do better. And in the fellowship of the body of Christ, speaking the truth comes in all these categories, and speaking the truth is also speaking the truth to yourself about yourself. 
And this comes in two categories. One is who you are, unredeemed man, you, and who you are in Christ. Saint and sinner. And to be a real person is to be honest about all of this. And to be available to the people around you about everything or anything that would be beneficial for us to speak truthfully. Now, there's some truth you shouldn't just speak right away. Because remember, kind, tender-hearted, forgiving, but you should be truthful. You should speak the truth. But come on now. <laughs> Is this realistic? I mean, really. Really, we're just going to suddenly tell everyone all, everything? We're going to just be honest and open? Well, I'm not really too worried about that happening because we are growing from old man into new man. And so, yeah. But how would it be possible at all? The only answer is if I'm putting on Christ. If I understand that I am safe in him and have nothing to fear from you. If my reputation was utterly destroyed in this world, I am safe in Christ. And God has approved me in Christ. End of story. God Almighty knows just everything about me. I have nothing I can hide from Him. The Word of God is living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide soul from spirit. And every man is laid open before God and His Word. There is no hiding in His presence and no need to hide. Because in Christ, I am absolutely perfectly known and absolutely perfectly accepted no matter what. And it's only if I dwell there that I can risk being honest with you. That I can take the risk of being real in relationships is grounded in my security in Him. So I don't have to hide. 
I don't think everyone should share everything about themselves all the time in case you're worried about that. Because of the principle we're going to come to in a minute about what you should say and what you should, should not say. Suddenly, what you say is not about you, but about how it's going to help anyone else. But anyway, we'll come to that in a minute. What about this anger thing? Be angry, this says. It's actually in the form of a commandment. <laughs> it's like, church, be angry. Now, the Bible's primary advice about anger is anger is to be avoided. But here, be angry. And we know that Christ occasionally was angry. And we know that God himself, one of the things he glorifies himself in is his righteous wrath against his opposition. Anger. Anger is a really tricky thing. There's anger that sins and there's anger that doesn't sin. Here's a caution. Do not trust yourself with your own anger. Because when you're angry, you are about to sin. I'm not kidding around. And I think this is always true. If you are angry, you are getting ready to sin. Watch yourself. You are getting ready to say something that is only about satisfying you. Vengeance. Wrath. This is kind of about anger. It's kind of about how you respond when you are hurt or done wrong. Well, one piece of advice in this passage is don't let the sun go down on your anger. Here's how I take that. Do not let your anger cook. If you notice yourself angry, you must act now. Don't let it sit. You know, I've noticed something about myself. I can be reminded that last week I was mad about something and get mad about it all over again even though in between I'd settled down. But this says, look, when you're angry, you have something you need to deal with and you need to deal with it right now. Do not let it simmer. If it simmers, the probability that it will result in sin just goes up and up and up. Be angry, but don't say, well, what should you be angry about? Well, unrighteousness, and especially yours, but unrighteousness.
what if someone does you wrong? Well, you know, further on down in this task, what are you supposed to do with it when someone does you wrong? Forgive as you have been forgiven. You know, God has already forgiven you for the things you're going to do against him that you haven't done yet. The forgiveness that you have in Christ is applied to you immediately. As soon as you do God wrong, Jesus says, died for that. Died for that. And the Father immediately forgives you. It's good for you to ask because it's good for you to know that has happened. But it has already happened before you ask. So how are you to forgive? Immediately. So here's what you could use. Your anger. Your anger is like a little flashing light on your dashboard. And it says, forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. Treat this person as you have been treated by that person. Now, don't wait. Don't keep driving down the road until the engine blows up. Do it now. Don't wait. Checked for Christ's sake quickly. And so when someone's done me wrong now, if I forgive them now, I don't execute wrath toward them or get even with them. I figure out how to help them. Decide right away to put that offense right next to your offense on the cross of Jesus Christ. And decide right away. Don't waste any time. If you find the emotion of anger in yourself, it's telling you here's what you need to do and you need to do it right away. This says in this text... (laughs) In this context of anger, it says, don't give any ground to the devil. And that's literally the expression. Don't give an opportunity to the devil. Don't give the devil any ground. Do not stand your ground against the devil because what he is going to use your anger to produce in you is for you to close in again in self-centered obsession and alienation from the people around you. That's what he's going to do with it. He's going to trap you in the old man with your anger. This is, the way it's stated in this text, kind of an emergency. Like if you're not careful, the devil is going to get you by just letting you be mad about someone doing you wrongly. And the longer you cook it, the more likely it will result in you 
doing someone else wrong. Sin. Be angry. Don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Then he says, stop being a taker. <laughs> thieves, thieves, hey, thieves. Now, it's possible that in this room, there is a person that has never stolen anything. But I doubt it. I'm pretty sure everyone here, someday in your life, took something that's not yours. So, thieves, this text is addressed to you. Thieves, no longer steal. Quit stealing, thieves. From this day forward, don't steal. Well, that's easy to say, isn't it? It's way easier. And most of us right now are yeah, not going to steal anymore. No siree. And then one day it's going to be really easy to get away with. Or so we think. Don't steal. What we need is something to do instead. <laughs> so that's what we get. When we put off the old man, we don't just put off the old man, we put on the new man. What does the new man do? The opposite of stealing. And the opposite of stealing is not quit stealing. The opposite of stealing is work to give. That's the opposite of stealing. Work to give. That's what he says here, right? Rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Why do you work? Well, thieves, work to share. That's what Christ does. That's what we do in Christ. That's the Spirit-led life. That's the path of righteousness. I try to become a provider. I want to develop the sort of generosity I see in Christ. I got a long way to go. I, want, I work in order to provide. It's a thief that quits stealing to produce. It's a person who takes care of the other people. A thief is taking advantage of other people to take care of himself. A thief is an ingrown person. A provider is an open-handed person, available to the people around him. Old man talks too much speaks corrupting thoughts. The old man just gets stuff off his chest. We have a thing in our society these days, it's like one of our supreme values is the value of self-expression. 
maybe your self-expression isn't any good for anyone. And so this text says, let no corrupting, the word there is kind of rotten, talk come out of your mouth. I think that's a really interesting way of saying it. It's like it's there in your mouth, ready to be said, don't let it out. You know, sometimes you're in a conversation and you think of something and it's, man, it's, it's clever. But corrupting. Don't let it out. It might get a laugh and then a week later really hurt somebody. Don't let it out. Don't talk too much. The scripture says, be quick to listen, slow to speak. (laughs) Slow to speak. Think first. Here's what you should say. Only such as is good for building up, fitting to the occasion, like timely, and that it may give grace to those who hear. You know, it's really pretty simple. This advice says, in your speech, don't take care of yourself. Take care of the people around you. Don't do what satisfies you. Do what's good for them. And when we speak, that's, that's not really easy, is it? We say stuff just because we feel the need to say it. Well, stop and think. Is this worth saying? And that's the general rule here is... Say what's good, what builds someone up, what's encouraging, what's helpful. So the unredeemed you talks too much, the redeemed you screens for edification, that is the building up, and for grace. This is, this is good and they don't even need to deserve it. I will bless someone with my speech. And I don't mean I'm going to pronounce a blessing on them. I mean I'm going to say something that's a blessing. The bottom line here is the old you grieves the spirit and the new you walks in the spirit. You know, you owe the Spirit your allegiance. According to this text, here's the reason. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. This is a reminder of what he said in chapter 1, where the Spirit, we've been given the Spirit who's the guarantee of our inheritance. We've been sealed by the Spirit. The presence of the Spirit in you is the gift of God that is the guarantee of his promise to you in Christ. The Spirit is stuck with you. Try to make it a pleasant experience. Don't be grieving the Spirit. Be pleasing to the Spirit. Uh, Walk in the Spirit. I think that means walk in the 
those good works that God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. Don't be bitter. Don't be wrathful. Don't be angry. Don't be a crybaby or an, or an arguer. Don't slander people. Don't even wish evil against anyone. Malice. Instead, be kind. Be kind. You know that expression. I love this expression. The Greek word here, you know what it means? It means easy to wear, like a good shirt. You know, do you have some shirts that are easy to wear and some shirts that are kind of hard to wear? Kind-hearted, kind to one another means easy to wear. That means when people are around you, it's good. They like it. It's easy to be with you. Uh, Tender-hearted means having compassion, means trying to understand what's going on between us from your point of view. Forgiving as God forgave you. Well, this is quite a list, isn't it? Stop hiding, be open, be truthful. If you find yourself angry, don't sin. You're about to sin. Don't sin. Deal with it. Deal with it now. This doesn't, by the way, always mean deal with the person you're mad at. More often it means deal with yourself. But anyway, don't let it cook. Stop being a taker. Stop looking at the people around you for what benefit they provide to you, but be a provider. Someone who works in order to be generous. I'm going to just summarize Paul's advice the next bit. Shut up. Make it your general rule to just shut up. And only speak if it's really good for somebody. That's my summary of the rule. And don't be a bother to the guarantee of your redemption. <laughs> so, are you growing? Now, does this list feel like a burden? I'm, I was kind of hoping that it would. This seems hard to me. And as I hear it, I find myself going, ah, gotta, gotta, gotta. Is it a burden or is it a joyful opportunity? And I believe the answer to that question is yes. It could be a burden or it could be a joyful opportunity. What transforms it from being a burden? Something I've got to do that's impossible to do. And something I get to do. What a privilege it is. What's the difference? Well, the difference is Christ. The difference is, is it from you? Or from you in Christ? Is it grounded in your faith, in, in yourself, or in your faith? 
We walk by faith, not by sight. Whatever is not from faith is sin, the Bible says. Even if I manage to do the right thing, but I'm not doing it from faith, it's still wrong. So the difference is, am I doing it myself or am I doing it in Christ? I'm still doing it. And we've seen, as we've gone through this list, there, the, from time to time, we've seen the power. What makes me able to be truthful is the truth of my security in Christ. What makes me able to be angry and not sin is God has forgiven me. I'm in Christ, and so I don't need to lash out at you. I can be a source of this grace that I possess because I know Him. If I'm going to stop and think about what's good for people, I need to think about what's been good to me and who. And so because I know Christ, I share the love of Christ with the people around me in what I say. And I'm always looking to build people up in my speech to give grace. And so I walk in the Spirit. I'm kind. How am I going to be kind? The kindness of the Lord leads me to repentance. How will I be tender-hearted? Because I've been tenderized by His tender heart. How will I be forgiving? Well, that's right there in the text. As God forgave you. That's how. Forgiveness is stupid nonsense if God hasn't forgiven you by the blood of Christ. It's not even a good idea except for that. And because of that, though, it's always a good idea. And so we... Put on Christ. This is the heart of it. If you take this list and you post it on your wall like something you're going to do, then you have missed it. If you take this list and you post it on your wall and you pray that Christ will work these things through you into the lives of others, that's getting it right. So you... Grow in grace. This is the parameter of growth most commonly used in the Bible. You don't grow in obedience, you grow in grace. And the consequence is some obedience. You grow in grace. This is the path of the righteous. (laughs) The righteous is not you. The righteous is Christ in you. And so you are transformed because you are with him. Walk with him. Father, (coughs) help us. It's so easy for us to take over this project. To get wrapped up in ourselves again. To let the devil distract us even by our rightness.
Thank you, Lord, for the gift of the Holy Spirit, for that great, amazing leadership that he provides day by day. Thank you for the word of God that announces to us your amazing grace and generosity, your great love, your transforming goodness. Lord, keep me mindful of you so that I can be mindful of the people around me. In Jesus' name, amen.